continue in the book of Romans. And uh, I'm calling this The Good News Is Part 2, but it's Romans chapter 3, verses 1. I skipped ahead to, to chapter 3 because um, I don't want to spend six months in Romans, although it would be a good thing to do. But getting ahead a, a little bit because what Paul is addressing here throughout Romans is he's talking about the power of the gospel and the necessity of preaching it and focusing on it and spreading it to all nations. You know, we hear that, maybe you do, I, I hear it because I'm around a bunch of preachers, but you hear the term the gospel, and, and in some circles you hear it a lot. It's like the gospel this, the gospel that, and everything is about the gospel, which is good, nothing wrong with that, but I want us to understand what that means is, is, is the good news. And the gospel is the good news. But the good news is that there's power to, to, to provide for us a relationship with God, to remove the barriers and to, and to repair those things that are broken. You know, Romans is written to ordinary people like us, not to scholars or those who are trained in Jewish tradition, but to those who had been changed by grace through the power of Jesus Christ. I, I, I find that as, as, as remarkable as anything else is that it was written to those of us who are common. Now, you may not be, uh, you may be scholarly, uh, you know, educated, uh, somebody who has, um, you know, would, would consider yourself a, a high IQ or education possibly, which is different, though, than somebody who is, you know, trained theologically and, and in depth where those things are concerned. But, you know, here's the thing I've found is there are those that are, have depths of learning and education, especially in, in theology, that sometimes still miss the power of God. It's ordinary people being transformed and changed by the power of God that makes the difference. In other words, you don't have to have a theological degree and understand every aspect of the Word of God in order to receive the truth of the simplicity of we're sinners without Christ. We're lost hopelessly and in need of a Savior, but when we come to God, we are transformed and changed. That's the wonderful message of the gospel. Is he loved us where we were at, right where we were at. He loved us so much that he was willing to die for us and yet didn't leave us in that condition. I always say he loves us right where we're at on the way to where we're going because he doesn't see us right where we're at. He sees us down the road to where we are. When he chose his disciples, I'll guarantee you if you would have been on the committee to uh, discuss the qualifications of, of these men, you would have looked at almost every one of them trying to think if there would have been one that would have qualified by natural standards. Jesus looked beyond where they were at because He knew where they could be. And you know what? There was one who was asked to follow Him, which was the rich young ruler who chose his money and things and goods over following God, and he didn't qualify, not because he didn't have more of what the world would have said. And in fact, in most standards, uh, that, that man would have qualified better than any of the other disciples. It said that he, he said, man, I followed the law. He said, I'm, he said I, he'd obviously made a lot of money or, or, or was born wealthy. I don't know how he got his money, but he had a lot of stuff. He was wealthy. So by the world's standards, he was successful. By the world's standards, even, even religious standards of that time. But yet when, Christ, when Jesus said, sell what you have, give to the poor, and come follow me, Jesus wasn't trying to get his stuff. He was trying to keep his stuff from holding him in bondage. But when he, when he came to that point of saying, I guess I could give, or I guess I'll give everything up and go, go with God, he said, no, I can't quite do that. You know, there may have been a lot of reasons he couldn't 
turn loose of his things. He, he might have had a family he felt like he had to support. He may have, he may have had a, a family business or, or ties that, that said, you know, that his whole family's going to look at him funny. There may have been a lot of good reasons why he couldn't do what Jesus had asked, but bottom line in his heart, he wasn't willing to set aside everything, take up his cross and follow, follow Jesus. But, but what Jesus said was, if you, if you give up, if you retain the world but lose your life in eternity, that's worse than, than losing your life now and gaining eternity. You know, here's the wonderful thing is, what I see is, when we give God our life, the, 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 the scriptures that Jason used so, so greatly demonstrated the fact that when we give, not just our money, but all areas of our life, when we give our life to God, the blessing comes, the good things come. Doesn't mean we don't have tr trouble. It just means trouble is entirely different. It doesn't mean that there won't be times that are dry. And even as a as a believer, you know, one of the growth points that I see in Jason's illustration is two twofold. One, his wife was sensitive enough to not just you know bombard him. Although I didn't get to read the whole text, I could I could <laughs> I could evaluate that. Bombard him with all the things where he was wrong, but he was willing to not be condemned and take it. And it become a fight, but he allowed it to shine on his heart and say, "Okay, God, I'm going to come to you." There's a there is a problem. He was he was he could have been defensive. He could have. I'm sure his first response was, "Maybe I don't know." Mine mine might have been. It's like, what? Me? Imperfect? Yeah, we might have we might have had that. And see, that's what some somewhat how people approach hearing the gospel for the first time. And the apostle Paul sends this un unpopular message to people and he's saying look you got to understand there is a need for salvation see the the greatest thing that we can do as as couples is learn how to receive criticism or receive opinions or receive information receive insight without it automatically putting us on the fight and on defense in in in, in defense being willing to hear and say okay maybe i am so let's, let's together find a solution. You know, one of the things that Sue and I did early on was fought a lot. She is so hard-headed, so selfish. She's sitting at the back, I know, yes. You don't have to run and tell her. No, we, we talk about this, but so was I. And, and so we, we come at this situation with such a, a selfish self-centeredness, but how do we also approach God when we're willing to approach God in that same way? God, here's my life. Let me hear what I need to hear, and let me, give, let me take your word to transform me and change me into the person that I need to be. And see, when I began to approach God, my relationship with God, and I began to walk towards God with the idea and the understanding that said, God, I want you to make me the kind of man she needs me to be. See, the rich young ruler said, no, I can't do that. I've got all my stuff. I've got to hold on to that. And Jesus said, lay it all down and let me put, build your life into something that you could never have, something so much more complete, so much more fulfilling. Well, I want us to read here in uh, chapter, uh, oh, I, I want us to go, first of all, let's go to, go to uh, something in, in verse 1. I just kind of glazed over this in, in verse 16. I want to read Romans chapter 1, verses 16 and 17 again. This is where we ended last week, and, and I want, I'm reading out the New Living Translation. Uh, I did this because i got to read so much volume of, of reading, and it's just a whole lot easier to read. Um, but verse 16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, the good news, about Christ. 
It is the power of God at work saving everyone who believes, the Jew first and then the Gentile. Now something I, I kind of missed was, was what he talked about, the power of God that saves believers and transforms their life. I, I talked about that, but this ashamed thing. You know, I remember a time where I was ashamed of the gospel or ashamed that I was a Christian. I, I didn't want anybody to know that I went to church or I didn't want anybody to know that I was, uh, I was a believer because I was, I was probably going to be made fun of. I was probably going to be mocked. I was probably going to be cut out and separated. There are those that didn't want to hang around me because I was a Christian and a believer. And this didn't just happen in elementary school, junior high, and high school. This continues today. There's people who don't want me to come to the Brandon because a preacher's coming. I can't do what I do. I don't, I don't know. I've never heard anybody say that. But I've asked some guys to go to some Brandons, and I've never got to go to Brandon. Now, some of you are like, bro, what? Yeah, I still do that. Drag the calves to the fire. That's what we're talking about. Brandon, working calves. All right. I, I, I throw that out as an example. I don't know if that's really the case or not. There's times whenever I, I, I get, I, we get, we don't, as a pastor, it, what's funny is, is how whenever people find out I'm a preacher sometimes, they don't know that in the first part of the conversation, all of a sudden, sometimes things get uncomfortable. You know, I get uncomfortable, they get, they get uncomfortable because they're acting a certain way and they think I'm the judge. I don't know how many times I've heard people, man, we're, we're just, you know, we're working cattle, we're at a rope and we're at the sale barn, we're at a, a, a whatever, you know, in a restaurant, wherever we might be, sports, you could be at a ball game, you know, sitting beside somebody, wherever you are. And, and all of a sudden, and they're just talking the way they talk, and all of a sudden, they get to, to a point where they ask that, 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 that question. Well, what do you do? What do you do for a living? Or what do you do? And like, well, I'm actually a, a lot of times I'll lean on, well, I own cattle, I have a cattle business, and, and you know, I, I, I'm self-employed, and, and they'll say, and, and I pastor. And they went, oh, I wish you'd have told me. I'm like, look, I, I'm, I always tell them, look, you're fine. Be real. I, you know, those words, those things don't, don't bother me. I went, uh, uh, the other day I went duck hunting, and there was a group of guys there, and, 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 and the, the guy told me, he said, he said, now I just want you to know, I'm really concerned about what these guys might say. And, and so precursor, I'm like, man, really, it's okay. I, I said, I work at a sale barn on one, one day a week. I, I, I'm around guys. I, I realize this. I, this is not a big deal. Don't worry about it. And, and they, I, it was fine. It wasn't a problem. But it was funny. The first guy that I introduced himself, he goes, and he goes, so you're, you know, anyway, he goes, so you're a preacher. He goes, they told me we were going to hunt with a preacher. He said, I just went, I don't know how that's going to work. <laughs> I said, you just better pay attention. I'm going to shoot your limit and mine, you know. <laughs> God's blessing be on me. You better shoot fast because I may take your birds. You know, you only get five. So anyway. That, that's, the kind of, that's the kind of thing. That we're, but here's the thing. I, I always tell them, I say, look, I'm not your judge. I'm not weighing in on measuring everybody's spirituality all the time. Because here's, here's what I know. We're all in a process of trying to get better. And there's times we're going to flat fail. And I'm not, I'm not sitting here. I don't have my checklist out. Whoops, he said that. Oh, I bet he was thinking that. Oh, he was definitely thinking that. No, I don't, I don't go around to, well, this guy's obviously a sinner. Look, I, I go around with an understanding that we all, by God's grace, are, are having to walk out our salvation with fear and trembling. But here's the thing that I, 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 we, have to, we need to face and understand 
is that Paul was saying, when we should not be ashamed when shamed for trusting God as your truth. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Listen, they made fun of people and, and contradicted people and challenged people back in that day. They're still doing it today. It's nothing new. Just settle in, in your mind. I'm not going to be ashamed when I'm shamed for following something that others, that, that the world would say is folly. That, uh, the world would say can't be real. In fact, I, I wrote this down. Mockers will say something like, you, you should be embarrassed by such beliefs. The people of Rome probably said what people today say. We, sh we are too sophisticated to believe in archaic stuff like that. But Paul, Jesus even said, and, and I'm not going to turn there, but Mark 8, 38, he said, he said uh, if you're ashamed of me before men, I'll be ashamed of you before my Father in heaven. You know, that, that, that scripture used to put fear in me. I used to think, man, I don't want to die and go to, he go to heaven and stand before God and be ashamed of me like I was at him sometimes. And so I had to ask God, give me strength. Help me stand. Help me, help me maintain. I always tell people, you know, our, our life should be an example. We should talk about church. We should, we, should be, we, should, we should demonstrate that. But there's going to be times whenever we fall short of those things. And you know what? Then, then we come back around and we celebrate the fact that we're, we're forgiven when we repent, that God is a restoring God, that though we fall, you know, that's the thing that, that we had to have to learn to do. So let's jump ahead now to, to Romans chapter 3. Because I, I want us to get into some more of Romans and, and the, just the value of, of, of what this block of Scripture teaches all the way for really from Romans through where we're going to be today. I just wanted to get this portion of the Scripture out of, out of the way. Because having the understanding that we are in need of a Savior is the first thing the world has to understand. You know me, I teach the goodness of God. I, I teach the, the value, the power of God, the transformed life, the, the victory through prayer, through trusting God. We also have to have an understanding. I don't beat people over the head. In other words, you sinner, you sinner, you sinner. But, but we do need to realize the fact that without Christ we are lost. As a... Uh, in verse, uh, verse 1, he says, Then what's the advantage of being a Jew? Is there any value of a ceremony of circumcision? Yes, there is a great benefit. First of all, the Jews were entrusted with the whole revelation of God. True, so some of them were unfaithful, but just because they were unfaithful, does this mean that God will be unfaithful? Of course not. Even if everyone else is a liar, God is true. I think the King James says, let God be true and every man a liar. You know, here, here's the thing. It doesn't really, doesn't really matter what everybody else says. God is true. His word is true. That's, that's, that, that's what we got to settle in. And I think the quicker we do that, the, the easier it is to receive the rest of it. He says, uh, as the Scripture says, the rest of verse 4, you will be proved right in what you say, and you will win your case in court. But some might say our sinfulness serves as a good purpose, for it helps people see how righteous God is. It is unfair then for Him to punish us. This is merely a human point of view. Verse 6 says, Of course not. If God were not entirely fair, how would He be qualified to judge the world? 
But someone might still argue, how can God condemn me as a sinner if my dishonestly, dishonesty highlights His faith truthfulness and brings Him more glory? And some people even slander us by claiming that we say, the more we sin, the better it is. Thus, who says such things deserves to be condemned? So Paul's just bringing out the arguments. And I wrote in my notes, here, here we are, we're going to school with Professor Paul, and he's, he's bringing out the arguments. That's what this first part of this is, and that's why I read it out of, out of this New Living Translation. It just reads really easy. And, and he just brings up all the accusations, the questions, the concerns, or the things that he thinks people are thinking about. But at verse 9, at, at verse 9, well, let me, let me just, let me just I, I, don't, I don't use this example. While this is not a popular message, and I'm talking about the message of, of a sinner needing Christ, it's kind of like the doctor telling you that you have a tumor and the cancer is malignant. The ability, of, ability to cure is limited. But Paul is saying you're under the power of sin, you're a child of, the, of wrath, but there's a cure. You see, that's why I said the good news is... I used the illustration last, year, last week that I said, you know, sometimes we, we, we come with a, well, you got good news and bad news. Which do you want first? And, and really, even in the things that seem bad, that seem condemning, that, that might, might be a challenge to us, it's good news because there is a cure. The good news is we, we found the problem. The good news is we have a cure. The, the good news is you don't have to remain in that place, in that place. In that uh, under the power of sin. So let's read about our dreadful condition and then let's turn to the glorious cure. And that's really what God is doing. Let's look at verse 9. He says, Well then, should we conclude that we Jews are better than others? No, not at all. For we have already shown that all people, whether Jew or Gentile, are under the power of sin. As the Scripture says, no one is righteous, not even one. No one is truly wise. No, no one is seeking God. All have turned away, and all have become useless. No one does good, not a single one. Now, if you listen to me for a long time, you know I don't hound on this, these, this verses. I have heard preachers that they, boy, they, I mean, about every, seems like every Sunday, not that I listen to them every Sunday, but I, I've heard this come across this way. No, we're all sinners. No, you know, nobody's perfect. We're all sinners. No, not one. And the truth, and that's truth. I mean, it's right there in the scripture. It's it's a valuable thing that we understand. But again, when we know the 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 condition, but yet we have the cure, it's good news. See, that's what the world tries to come up with is a way to get to God and be good enough for heaven without understanding that there is nothing, that we all fall short of this. We're none of us going to get there on our own. You know, we'd all like to say, well, we're good enough. And that's what he tries to hammer out through, through the, really the first five chapters of Romans is that no, without God, we're hopelessly lost. In, in, uh, in the rest of this, he says, uh, their, their talk is foul, well, like, like the stench from the open grave. We're, we're going we're gonna to pause just for a minute because I want to share a couple other scriptures. And, and so let's, you can hold your place there, but go over to uh, Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6, 23. Because he, he says this in another way. 
And it's probably the way we've heard it more, more uh, we, we've seen this more, uh, uh, we've heard this more. Verse 23, uh, or, uh, Romans 6, 23. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. How many of you have ever heard that? We've, we've probably all heard that's part of the Roman road. If you've ever been shared to the Roman road to salvation, he talks about sin, the wages of sin is death. But he didn't leave us in that place. Again, we knew if you knew you had cancer, but there's a solution. There's a way to take care of it. There's a cure. The good news is we found it. The bad news is you've got to go through the surgery. But the gooder news, all right, the gooder news is we can take that out. We can bring a cure. Restoration is yours. And that's really what he's talking about. The wages of sin are death, but we don't have to stay in that place. We had someone pay for every bit of it. A complete work, and that was in in in, uh, in Christ. Let's look also at Second uh, Corinthians chapter five. Second Corinthians chapter five. There's several verses here. This, these are the ones that I like to 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 focus on whenever I'm talking about the 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 problem of sin and the and the beauty of salvation, the preservation, and the and, and the and the cure of Christ. Verse, first of all, let's read verse 21, then we'll back up a little bit. But verse 21, in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin, so that we could be made right with God through Christ Jesus. We could be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We're, we're made right. See, all the things that are separating us from God are removed, taken care of in Christ Jesus. Verse 17, let's back up. He says, This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, and a new life has become. I mean, begun. I, I, Jason gets used as, a, as a, an example a lot. Sorry, it's, it's just whoever comes to mind. Whoever stands up front gets used. But is, is your response today, this last week, different than it would have been three years ago? Okay, yeah, absolutely. See, the new man's gone. Now, did, did it still, maybe still bother him? Did he still take offense temporarily? Was, it, was he perfect in the, in the response? Well, he was so much closer that Whitney didn't even, didn't even judge the rest of it. I'm, I'm just assuming these things. It was so much better, but why? Because he's he's so because he read a good self-help book. Well, yeah, he read this self-help book. I was thinking about a a paperback by a PhD or something. Did he go to counseling for it? Did he do these other things? No, he's in been in the presence of God, so that a new man is has begun, a new life has begun. He's not the same. I guarantee you, that's why Sue and I survived. The old man died, and the new man came to life. And instead of us interacting in a way that was the flesh and was natural and was limited, all of a sudden we, we began to be transformed so that it affected everything else in our lives. It affected how we saw each other, how we saw conversations, how we saw people, how we dealt with money, how we did, raised our all of those things, every aspect of our life. Because we were, when we were made right with God, what it did is it opened up to us the power of God for salvation meaning eternal salvation, but also the ability to live this life and walk through this earth with the help and the power of the Holy Spirit. We're no longer on our own. He walks us through ways, and, and we don't respond the same. I used the illustration um, Tuesday night in a, in a similar type 
type message that, that, that the response of people on social media sometimes just boggles my mind. I watch these Big Loop Open uh, videos. The 310 Ranch is one of my favorite ones. The, these guys are, are the Darnells. Uh, they're, they're just soup. They, they rope different style than what I grew up. They're different than rodeo and, and, and uh, ranching down here. They, they rope these, these cool loops and all this stuff. It's really hard to do. I've been, I work on it. I actually finally got one of the things to finally turn over and, and do something that I, I've been trying for like four months, I, I just couldn't do it. And finally figured out it clicked. I was so excited. I about had to, you know, just stay out there in the cold and practice throwing this loop to get it to work. But there's a guy, they had a video on there, and there's a guy on there just ranting and raving about, why does a guy carry 60-foot rope? All I ever needs 30. I got a good horse underneath me and all this stuff, which is all the stuff I used to say too. But you know what? Here's the thing. What does it even matter? Are, are they hurt? I mean, why do you get involved Worrying about it's like when I used to listen to the sports animal or, or or talk radio of some kind, something where I would get argue. I'd be I'd be in the middle of that argument. They can't hear me, but by golly, I I'm, I'm right in the middle of it. Well, see, my natural flesh loves to fight, loves to argue, loves to disagree, but yet. When we become, uh, get a nature, our nature in God, we, we change our perspective. All of a sudden, I don't always have to win. All of a sudden, it doesn't really, some the things that I used to think matter don't matter anymore. We begin to change our overall approach. It means that anyone who belongs to Christ, again, verse 17, has become a new person. The old life is gone, and the new life has begun. And I like the way the New Living says it, it, it's begun because it is a, still a process. Now, the new birth... Again, understanding that we are a spirit. Our spirit man is born again. Never existed before. That's what that means in the Greek. It's, it's new. But this old flesh and this old soul, the mind, will, and emotions has to be changed over time. That's the part that, that's begun and begins to, to change. You, you, can, <clears throat> you can still have the propensity to sin, but it doesn't have the bondage over you. <clears throat> and you begin to seek to change uh, in those areas. So let's go back now to, to Romans chapter 3. Because I want us to see something. I, I wrote this down. Understand something. Man is made in the image of God. You know, even before you give your life to God, God created us. We, we are created in God's image. So we have certain innate abilities and, and amazing things. I mean, computers are amazing, but yet people... And, and the way God made us, it's, it's an incredible thing. Made, we're made in the image of God, and unrepentant people can do remarkable things as image bearers of God. However, no one is perfectly good and never sins. No one is accepted, acceptable to God based on His works. Without common grace, there would be total anarchy in the world. You know... Paul's going to getting ready to describe some things right here in these next few verses, and, and it really is broken down into three separate parts. And I, I want to read these verses, and then we'll come back and look at them. First of all, he says, you know, he'd already said in verse 12, no one does good, not a single one. Verse 13, they talk, their talk is foul, like the stench from an open grave. Their tongue is filled with lies. Snake venom drips from their lips. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. They rush to commit murder and destruction and misery always follows them. They don't know where to find peace. They have no fear of God at all. 
Obviously, the law applies to those whom it was given, for its purpose was to keep people from having any excuses and to show that the entire world is guilty before God. You know, the law was given to the Jews through Moses to show that, that we were going to fall in one, one area or another. And there, if we couldn't keep it all, that meant we all needed that lamb or that sacrifice to redeem or cover the sins. But Jesus came to do it once for all to cover those sins. The, the three different uh, ways that this is categorized, first of all, is the character of the accused. Look at that. Their talk is foul. Their, their, their uh, tongue's filled with lies. Their, their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. You know, cursing more, more than, I, I always say this, more than saying a four-letter word, cursing is, is speaking death into things, speaking down to things, speaking condemnation. I don't, I don't, that's why I don't hammer on the, the, the curse words, the four-letter words, as much as, as, as the heart behind them. What, are, what is the intent behind them? What is the words with it? You know, you think about this uh, and, and how, it, it, how it reflects on, on other people, how it influences and affects other people. But you know what? You can say things without a four-letter word. They're just as negative, just as, just as venomous, just, you know, just as poisoning. That's what that was referring to. You know, you telling your, your somebody, well, I won't name who, but you telling somebody, well, you're just, you're just a fool, you're just clumsy, you're just so... That was so stupid. Uh, condemning type words. I mean, that, that can be in and of itself uh, a, a harmful thing. But character, thinking about these, these are quotes from Psalms 14, 1 and 3, 53, 1 and 3, and I think uh, Psalms 10, verse 7. Those, the, uh, Paul is using, it's interesting, he's using Old Testament Scripture on the Jews in, in particular, to let them know, look, all that you knew, all that you've tried to do, all, the, all of these things, they're, they're going to come. And you're going to fall in some way, in some of this. You, you may not, again, it may not be the, I'm not talking about the, the, the curse words so much as just ways that we tear people down. Maybe, maybe ways that, that we destroy people, showing that we, we're going to fall once in a while. That's, that's the big point. Verse, uh, the, the second thing, uh, or that, that was the first and the second thing. The second thing is the conversation of the accused. You see that verses 13 and 14 talking about that. Uh, he's not building a case against all, but, but asking the question, do we fall in one? That qualifies us for the need of the cure, right? He's using Old Testament scriptures uh, to show humanity in general that it's sinful and, and, and unacceptable before a holy God. Now, this verse, uh, this verse, the, the, the third thing is the conduct of the accuser. Look at verses 15 and through 18. He says, uh, they rush to commit murder. The destruction and misery always follows them, and they don't know where to find peace. They have no fear of God at all. I don't remember where, when I taught it several weeks ago, I, I emphasized the, the value of having a fear of God, understanding the, the fear, the respect, the awe of God, that I wouldn't want to do anything that, that would uh, have a bad reflection on God, the, the fear of Him. But notice, it, it says in verse 15, they rushed to commit murder. Now, you, you may not, 
I mean, this could mean actual physically killing somebody, but thinking about the harm that comes in words and actions in the things that you might do or say or things even that you withhold. I never thought about it till this moment, so I'm just assuming that's the Holy Spirit speaking. Some, there's things that we withhold from people. I'm not going to give them that. See, you know, what, who might need that compliment? Do they deserve it? I don't know. Maybe. Something that uh, one, one, of, uh, one of the sayings I used to have in, in youth is, is that they'll, they'll live up to your expectations. When, when we were teaching youth, you know, they're going to live up to your expectations. Start setting expectations. Where, where do you set expectations where, where your spouse is concerned, where your kids are concerned? Do you expect them to do bad or do you expect them to do good? See, they pick up on those things. Start expecting them. Start setting. Don't withhold that, that, those words of expectation. And see, you know, we can begin to uh, allow the Holy Spirit to just, to just uh, to, to work on us. I, uh, what gets, I know this, the phrase I was trying to think of was, what gets rewarded gets done. One of my mentors, when I first started in ministry, he'd say that all the time. What, what gets rewarded gets done. You start bragging on your husband how he, how he does something good instead of picking on everything he doesn't do. You, you start telling your wife, man, that was so good, instead of telling her everything she can't do or doesn't do. You start, you start pointing out all their good qualities. Focus on those things. Start rewarding them for the things that they do good. You set that expectation. You transform the atmosphere. I, I, can, I can guarantee you that if you lead by saying, well, I know you do so many things good, but... Flip that around. Leave the butt out of that. Leave the rest of that out of that. Just talk about the good, and I guarantee you, they'll start rising to that expectation. Whenever I, whenever I began to, to, uh, to do that with Sue, I would start focusing on, for one thing, it helped me because then I focused on the things that were good in her. And it totally transformed our, our, our marriage, and I believe our kids met those expectations as well. Some of you are taking notes right now. Some of there's elbows and there's, there's whispers and there's all kinds of things going around because I think that's things that we can all go, ouch, I need to do better at that. And we can all go, you need to be better at that, right? But here's the thing. All you can control is you. Number one thing you can control is you. When I quit saying God changed her and I said God changed me, everything began to change and she began to finally get straightened out. <laughs> nah, she's still a work in progress. No, she's pretty perfect. No, she's pretty perfect. Verse 19. Obviously, the law applies to those who it was given, for its purpose is to keep people from having excuses. You know, here's the thing. When we set aside excuses and we just say, God, I need you, you've got reasons why you do the things you do. You've got reasons, good concrete reasons why you fail. Until you put it in God's hands and you say, but God's power is able to overcome them all. Your hurts, your wounds, your, 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 your history, your past, all of those things make you unable to be a certain place in life. But the power of God to transform changes it all.
I guarantee you some of you have been and could currently be in a marriage situation that you think is beyond help and hope and beyond what could be transformed. I'll guarantee you I went before God, and she did too, and said, God, I ain't living like this. I don't know if she said that. I doggone sure did. But I came back to God, and I said, but God, I'm going to give it to you. But God, I'm going to change the things that I can change. I'm going to give it to you. We can't have excuses. We can't live by excuses. But, but she, that was my whole deal. But she, but she. And God came back to me and said, what about you, big boy? Literally, that's the way I heard God speak. What about you, big boy? To, and, and to show the entire world that we're guilty before God, same way with, same way with our sinful life. Some, same way with our help with, with things that we need to change. All, all other things, you know, marriages aside or relationships aside, things with your kids, whatever. Standing in the power of God. Verse 20 says, For no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. And that's the whole purpose of the first part of Romans is to show us we need God. He's not condemning us. He's not beating us down. He's not saying, you worthless sinner. He's saying, come to Jesus and get your cure. You're sick with, with, with sin. That's what the, he was saying. And listen, I read those other scriptures because once we've made Jesus Christ the Lord, we need to get past that. Don't let the devil bring you back to being beat down with a, a sinful nature. Come to God with, God, you are my righteousness. Now, verse 21, we've got to close with this. Verse 21 says, But now God has shown us a way to be made right with Him. Woo! The cure is coming. Without keeping the requirements of the law, as was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago, verse 22, we are made right with God by what? Placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. For everyone has sinned, that, therefore it qualifies us. That ain't in there. I just said that. <laughs> that qualifies us. Everyone has sinned. We all fall short of the glory, God's glorious standard. Yet God, who under, undeserved, whose undeserved kindness declares that we are righteous. He did this through Jesus Christ, or Christ Jesus, when He freed us from the penalty of our sin. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for our sin. People who are made right with God when they believe. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus Christ sacrificed His life, shedding His blood. The sacrifice shows that God was being fair when He held back and did not punish those who sinned in, in times of the past. For He was looking ahead and including them in what He would do in this present time, God did this to demonstrate His righteousness, for He Himself is fair and just and declares, notice this, sinners to be right in His sight. What's that last part? When they believe in Jesus. Not when you come to church X number of times. Not whenever you, you read all the way through the Bible. Not when you get all that. And, and listen, all those things are good. I, I want you here every week. I want you here. I want you reading through the Bible every day. I want you reading a proverb every day. I, I want you to do all of those things. But here's the thing. The one thing we have got to do is, is say yes to Jesus Christ. That's the qualifier. Or, or that's, the, that's the transforming factor. The qualifier to need it is just very simply admitting that you're, that you're a sinner, that you need it. You may be better than a lot of people who go to church every Sunday. It's not good enough. 
We can't ever be good enough without receiving the goodness of God and the righteousness that He provides. So let's stand and let's pray. And My challenge to you today is, as always, analyze your life. The only one you can really control and the only one you're really going to be responsible for is you. I can't judge you. I don't try to. But we have to judge ourselves. We have to come before God. Let's pray. Father, we just come before you. Lord, I thank you and I praise you that the good news is Jesus knew us and yet died for us. You knew exactly where we were going to be in this moment of time and, and, and you, you provided us a way of salvation. God, if there's anybody within the sound of my voice either right here or watching, maybe you're listening to this months down the road or even years. We never know. But Lord God, right now, the moment of hearing this is the moment of decision that if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord, you've never received that gift, maybe you've held back, maybe you've only given part of your heart, maybe you've just made a deal with God, but today you're ready to finish the work by, by accepting that gift of salvation. The Bible says that we can pray this prayer, and if you pray this in your heart, you say, Dear Lord Jesus, it's very simple. Dear Lord Jesus, forgive me. I need you to come into my heart and my life. I set aside everything else, and I fall at the foot of the cross. And I say, Yes, Lord, come into my heart and my life. Make me that new person. I know I fail, but I also know the gift is of grace. And all I have to do is believe. If you believe and you confess with your mouth, you say, Jesus, be my Lord. The Bible says we can be saved, be transformed, be made whole. If you're, in this, if you're in this place or you're watching and, and you make that decision, the Bible follows that up with, don't deny me before men and I'll not deny you before the Father. In other words, acknowledge that you made that choice, that decision. You don't have to come forward today, but you have to come forward, I believe, to seal that with the demonstration of that outward confession of a life that says, today was my day. If you're doing that today, I just challenge you. Don't hide that in your heart. Let me know. Let those around you know. And I believe the transforming power of God will be at work in our lives. Also, if you've maybe made that prayer before, but you want to take a step closer to God and, and, and lay aside everything else, you simply say, Lord, today I want to walk this out. I want to be restored and the newness of my salvation that I be filled with the power of God, that I walk in the freedom that you provide through the gospel. But Lord God, I thank you and I praise you for, for it in, in the lives of those who, who, who ask those things. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Listen, as always, you know, I, I challenge you. You can message me on Facebook or you can contact me. I think our number's in the, I don't know. I'm not hard to find. I'm always busy, but I'm never too busy. You can call me, and if I don't respond right now, it's probably because I'm on the phone or I'm in the middle of something, I'll call you back. If I don't recognize your number, I don't usually answer, so leave a voicemail. Text me, message me, whatever.
Love y'all.